afternoon. Um, so it's lovely to be with you again, those who are watching, um, you're uh, tuning in on www.novena.ie, so you might continue to spread the word for our uh, summer retreat. So it's lovely to have you with us. Uh, are you here for the retreat? You just popping by? You're welcome. You're welcome. Either way, you're very welcome. Uh, so we've got a couple of people with us here as well. So you're very welcome. And uh, as you know, we gathered this morning for Eucharist um, at 10 o'clock. And if you were watching at that, uh, we were really, uh, we were focusing on an image of the Good Shepherd. And uh, I suppose the temptation that we have of, you know, sanitizing sometimes our Christianity and our faith. So oftentimes the image of Jesus as a good shepherd is he's white. Jesus wasn't white. <laughs> but oftentimes the images are in art uh, and other forms is that he was white. And of course he often is portrayed as in blonde, with blonde hair as well. And, and, and in a white, crisp, flowing robe and with this beautiful lamb cradling in his arms uh, and of course there's no dirt <laughs> on the lamb or there's no dirt on Jesus and of course that's not a real image of a shepherd a real image of a shepherd is is someone who really is in the rough and the tumble of the whole story so sometimes I think the challenge for us is we need to deconstruct sometimes we need to deconstruct some of those images that we have about our religion and our faith and we need to be open. We need to be open to deconstruct them and to humanize them, to humanize them. Jesus was real, real human being. He had dirt under his fingernails at times as you and I have. And we have this temptation of elevating him so high uh, that we honor his divinity, which is very important. But sometimes we miss out on his wonderful humanity, wonderful humanity. So uh, maybe just reflecting on, on, on Jesus as being that um, very real, divine, but human shepherd as well. And of course, we were asking as well in our talk about what it means to be a disciple uh, today. Um, and, and, and sometimes it just means being present, being in the moment. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, abide with me, stay with me. Sometimes, let's be honest, life is difficult, life is tough, relationships are painful. This year and a half during the pandemic has been incredibly challenging for people. And so it's easy for any of us not to be in the moment, not to be in the present. But Jesus continually invites us in a spiritual way and in a human way and in a relational way. Try as best you can stay in the moment abide with me in our own relationships with the other people other people that we're reaching out to stay in that moment in that quality presence with the other that's what discipleship is walking alongside the other as best we can so this afternoon you're you're, you're very welcome wherever you're tuning in from at home, I know there's a whole variety of religious communities that uh, throughout Limerick and beyond and in other parts of the world that are tuning in. You're very welcome. 
um, if you're at home by yourself, wherever you are, feel, feel, feel at home. So I'd like to just explain what will happen for the next uh, um, half an hour or so. And, and basically, I'm going to share with you two pieces of scripture. And for those of you who are at home, those of you um, who are watching on the internet, you're going to see beside me, unfortunately those who are present in the church won't see it, but you will see it at home, um, a carved image of the Last Supper. And um, one of the pieces of scripture that I will um, proclaim is from the Gospel of Mark and is the shortest account of the Last Supper. And then the other piece is from the Acts of the Apostles uh, and uh, the community of believers, that early Christian community uh, that came together. And then I'm going uh, to uh, share with you a, a little bit about um, the historical and the biblical understanding of meals and tradition. In other words, the center of our Eucharist as Catholics, as Christians, is when we come to celebrate Mass and gather around the table of the Word with the body of Christ, the faithful, is to gather around the table and is to, to, to offer the gifts of bread and wine to become the body and blood of Jesus. So just to explore a little bit, why, how did all of that happen? Why was the tradition of meals so important? And, and then uh, to show a video of um, a movie um, uh, that'll go on for about five or six minutes of The Last Supper, and then just to give a little reflection on it. So that's the rough schema. Uh, so those who are in the church, please be uh, a little patient. There will be part of this, the movie part, that you won't physically see. The Acts of the Apostles. It's from chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The believers form a community. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All of the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, they met in homes for the Last Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity together. All the meals, all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The next piece of scripture is from the Gospel of Mark. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. One of you eating with me will betray me. 
Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is the one of you, one of the twelve, who is eating from the bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. And then he broke it into pieces and shared it with his disciples, saying, Take this, this is my body. And Jesus took a cup of wine, and giving thanks to God for it, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And Jesus said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. As you can see, those here present in the church and so many of you tuning in all around, meal and table fellowship was central to the Christian community. Uh, that followed Jesus. But the tradition of meals went way back before the time of Jesus. And, and from all that we know about biblical culture and the early Christian community, meals always played an important role in community life. You see, meals and table fellowship as an expression were a microcosm, really, of the social system. Table fellowship was really an embodiment of social vision. Christians regularly came together to break bread, even before they began to conduct worship services. Now isn't that interesting? Because that's very different to what we do now. And of course we all grew up with the tradition of fasting. Isn't that right? And particularly before Vatican II. Fasting uh, before receiving the Eucharist. And, um, and at least fasting one hour before receiving the Eucharist. But in the early Christian community it was a different understanding. It was very much a social gathering. So it, it was a community coming together to celebrate their faith in Jesus. But it was a community coming together to celebrate their faith in and with and through each other. And so it was natural, it was organic for them to, to share and to break bread uh, even before they prayed, even before they celebrated worship. They celebrated these common meals in their homes. And it's very interesting, isn't it? The early Christian community gathered not in churches, but in homes as a complete meal. So with these meals, the Jesus tradition continued. And the... Um, meal tradition really was handed down to the Jewish culture 
from the Greeks and the Romans, shared in common throughout the culture. So this meal tradition was well structured. An individual would host a banquet or a meal for their friends. Invitations would be sent. Dining rooms would be furnished with couches where guests would recline. Each guest was assigned a particular place at the table according to their status in relation to their relationship with the other guests. And on arrival, the guest would usually have hands and feet washed before they would recline. So there was a lot of preparation that went on. And in some ways, when you think about it, haven't we moved a very long distance away? Sometimes we rush into church. We all do it sometimes. We rush into church. We want to get mass in and then Mass is finished and we are out. But at the time of the early Christian community, the experience is very different. Nobody was looking at watches. It was about gathering together in faith in Jesus, but also in fellowship and discipleship and community with each other. So the meal would have two major courses. The meal proper and the drinking party, which could also include forms of entertainment and storytelling coupled with discussion and conversation. The meals of Jesus. Listening to the stories and turning to uh, some of the study uh, by some biblical scholars, there's general agreement that meals played an incredible role in the ministry of Jesus. And particularly in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' ministry oftentimes is revolved around breaking bread with all kinds of people. All kinds of people. The scriptures don't hold back. It's one of the beautiful things. They don't hide it. It's not embarrassing. Jesus felt very comfortable sharing a meal with prostitutes, with tax collectors, with lepers. All of these people were ostracized by society. And this was the medium, the means that Jesus used. Gathered around the table, each person in diversity, but inequality. And oftentimes Jesus used these Eucharistic moments, really, in the wider sense, to impart his teaching and to share his faith. The New Testament has obviously been the focus for the Last Supper of Jesus. And as we know, there are four versions of the Last Supper tradition from Paul, from our specific our Eucharistic sayings. So I'm going to uh, just ask uh, Kevin in the sacristy now to play uh, a video. So I apologize for those in the, in the church, you won't be able to see it, uh, the, but uh, those at home will see that uh, movie now. And it's basically a movie portrayal for about six minutes of The Last Supper.
Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God shall come. that thou doest too quickly. from the Father and am come into the world. Again I leave the world and go to the Father. Behold the hour cometh. Yea, and now is, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me 
you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. danger at times within our own faith and I think personally that somewhere deep within our heads is an expectation that our faith needs to be perfect or that it should be perfect it should be better than it is I'd like to share with you a quote from Saint John Henry Newman, one of the church's recent saints. Here are his words. There is nothing as ugly as the Catholic Church and nothing quite as beautiful. These are rather surprising and contrasting words from John Henry Newman. Newman, as we know, was an English theologian and a poet, and he was an Anglican priest who entered the Catholic faith and priesthood and later became a cardinal, so he had quite a history. John Henry Newman was quite a controversial figure in the church of the 19th century. He was a refreshingly open and candid churchman who could see and had the courage to call out both the beauty and the ugliness of the Catholic Church. In fact, he shared these sentiments in a letter to a friend before he made a decision to become a Catholic. Today's selected readings, you remember, I read from the Acts of the Apostles. It painted a beautiful picture, didn't it? The early Christian community, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone was filled with awe, it writes. All the believers were together and everything they held in common. Sounds like a perfect community, doesn't it? A utopian community. And even that gospel movie, did you enjoy it? It depicts an image of a very relatively united community at the Last Supper. But did you notice there was the Judas moment? There was the frail moment. Discipleship is not about perfection. 
Discipleship is about acknowledging who we are, the broken parts and the beautiful parts, and somehow allowing them to coexist. The gospel changes gear when we see that even Peter, Peter, who can't understand that Jesus is a Messiah who washes feet. Jesus knows well the fragility of these disciples that he has called. And it's the same with you and me in your vocation, in your baptism, in your priesthood, in your religious life, in whatever it is. Jesus calls you as you are in your greatness and in your weakness, in your strength and in your human fragility. He continues to call you. You see, a perfect early Christian community that gathered around the table in table fellowship, the tradition that has been handed on for 2,000 years ago, that perfect early Christian community never, ever existed. Neither a perfect parish or diocese, or religious community, or family. A perfect church never did, and probably never will. Thank God. Does that sound strange? And I say that honestly, because I certainly could not fit into it, or nor probably could you if you're honest but rather as baptized, as religious, as priesthood, whoever we are, whoever we are, whatever our faith is or isn't, all of us are called. That's what discipleship is. God doesn't leave anybody out. Sometimes we don't respond. Sometimes we don't hear. Sometimes life is too painful and too difficult and too messy and too awkward. But God keeps on calling. And you're chosen by God to commit as best you can to love God and your neighbor. Listen to those final words of Jesus in that movie clip. Love one another as I have loved you. And the challenge for us is to find what is the best way of me loving. Because the best way of me loving and serving is not necessarily the best for you. We have to find our way to commit yourself as best you can in whatever your situation is, to love God and your neighbor, whoever your neighbor is. Do you know what? That, to me, is personally the best definition of being a true disciple of Jesus today. Jesus never established a perfect community. Rather, he personally, and he does it personally, calls and chooses all of us who want to respond to his love as best we can each one according to their differing gifts and personalities and talents and, yes, weaknesses. During the pandemic, our church doors were closed And yet we were able to connect with so many people through the gift of the internet.
this pandemic has been challenging for us as Christian disciples of Jesus. We've been separated by closed church doors, but we've always been united in discipleship by wide open hearts of faith. And you've seen that again and again in communities rallying together. And you've done that. You've done that in your families, in your homes, in your religious communities. You have reached out in discipleship, in friendship, in faith, in compassion to each other. And you know what? All of that is church. That's who we are. A Christian community. All of us are invited to be disciples. And yes, let's be honest about it. Sometimes as members of that Christian family, sometimes we're frail. Sometimes we're hypocrites. And sometimes we're selective in our compassion. But it's not the walls that make a church as beautiful and as delighted as we are to physically celebrate as a community together. It's not the hierarchy. It's not our past. It's not our present. No, it's rather you and I from that very tradition of the disciples gathered with Jesus in the upper room 2,000 years ago. What they did, you and I do. It's creating as best we can a spiritual and human space being able to respond to God's call to wash feet, to serve those who need our help. We are most certainly very far from being perfect disciples or a perfect church. As a German bishop said recently, perfection is always an unobtainable goal. The church must give up its pretensions to faultlessness and focus instead on constant conversion. This is the authentic Christian way of life. And you know what? I dare to say that sometimes it's been some of those radical voices, female and male, the institutional church has sometimes treated despicably, that have called out necessarily our imperfections as a wider church community that have been important voices. So going back to St. John Henry Newman, the Catholic Church is full of ugliness and full of beauty. I think he's correct. Our church in its various forms can sometimes express itself, not in discipleship, but in division. Not in beauty sometimes, but in ugliness. But equally, equally, equally so many times because of you and me, whoever you are, and your faith and your Christian witness and discipleship, our church can oftentimes be so beautiful because of you and me. And it's for this and so much more that as disciples of Jesus handed down this table fellowship tradition for 2,000 years ago, we give thanks to God. I'm going to invite you 
um, in your prayer tonight. Just invite you to go into your own heart and just give thanks to God for the ways that God has nourished and fed you spiritually and humanly. And just maybe pose a question to your heart and to the Lord in your prayer. And the question is this. Lord, who do I need to reach out to? Who do I need to nourish? Who do I need to show my love to? to become more the disciple that you call me to be. We finish with a prayer, if that's okay with you. It's a prayer you know well. O angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, and to rule, and to guide. So thank you to, to uh, all in the sacristy and to Kevin and to yourselves and to you at home. Uh, the retreat continues tomorrow with Father Jerry at uh, 10 a.m. Mass and then 11 o'clock talk and 12 o'clock exposition and 4 p.m. another talk. Uh, that's all Irish time and you're welcome to continue to join us. So God bless and have a good evening. <laughs>